Warning, the following episode contains spoilers for Avengers Endgame, as well as all movies and TV shows in the MCU. Hello, I'm Henry. And I'm Trey. And welcome to Marvelous, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Where we're back for a special on the biggest culmination of all the MCU movies so far, Avengers Endgame. Oh yes, of course, you didn't think we'd miss this one, did you? We could not resist coming back for this one, even though we've technically already recorded this once, and this is a second time, so we are sorry if we miss things again. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) We lost half of our recording last time, but we're gonna do it again! (laughs) Yes, our recording was a victim of the snap, but it got re-snapped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Avengers, for saving the day. And now our thoughts are a little bit more solidified for you. So hopefully, this one's even better than before. Hopefully, though we're a little more tired, so it might be a little more of a struggle. <laughs> yeah, so Henry, what did you think of the movie? I mean... I loved it. It was amazing. And it was like the weirdest experience of my life because like there has never been a movie like this, a movie that is the culmination of a series of 22 movies. When I got out of the theater, instead of being like super pumped and excited like I usually am when I see like a Marvel movie I love or any movie I'm super into, I was just like exhausted by how much I had just went through It, like, hurt almost, and I just had to lay down and just let this experience flow through me. (laughs) It was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a lot. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Well, we've both seen it twice now, so I have had very different experiences both times. This movie is a lot, and it's also not enough. (laughs) The first time I watched it, I was just, like, deeply in mourning because... I don't feel like they did Captain America justice for his ending. So that really hurt my soul a lot. But once I watched it again the following day, I was able to put that part aside. And this movie actually is like a really good film, even though there's that one part of it that really bothers me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Definitely as endings go, Iron Man got a much better treatment than Captain America. It was just perfect. Yeah, Iron Man's was phenomenal. His arc was spectacular. This was like just the culmination of everything from his starting the franchise to him ending it, essentially, all the way to the end credits sound, which is him creating the first Iron Man suit, just bringing it all back together. Yeah, it's so weird to think of like the fact that we got such a nice capstone to the entire MCU, but it's just gonna keep going. (laughs) Yeah, it feels really weird to have all these sequels coming now. I'm really curious to know what they're going to feel like if they're going to, like, feel anything remotely similar to the previous three phases. Like, they've kind of hinted at the fact that beyond Endgame, they're not even going to call them phases anymore. Like, it's just something else. Yeah, free for all. (laughs) Yeah, it's just an open universe, a free for all. Yeah, and the possibilities are endless, so that's really exciting. Like, I mean, they're not tied down to having to fit these previous films. They can just move on. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they're going to be different, if they're going to change up their formula. I I hope so. 
Yeah, and also, now there might be, like, five other timelines, but until the Russos really explain the rules, I don't think we're going to have an answer for that. If they explain the rules? I really hope they do, because it's very confusing. I don't... I want to know if Hawkeye grabbing a glove from the previous timeline made an entire timeline. Cap didn't bring the glove back. I think the more important questions are what happened to the timelines with Loki escaping with the Tesseract and an entire Thanos and his army just disappearing, no Guardians forming. Oh, I didn't even think about that connecting to the Guardians. Oh yeah, no Guardians forming. Gamora is gone from that timeline and Nebula's dead. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Rocket and Groot would capture Star-Lord and then just get the bounty and that's the end of that story. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. It's just the two of them forever. Maybe. Not to mention, like, the entire timeline that Cap lived in with Peggy. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's <laughs> super confusing, and I really don't know what happened there, and if there is a split timeline or not. Yeah, it's confusing. Let's let's talk about it later. <laughs> yep, we have reached Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super levels of time travel shenanigans. Woo! So you keep telling me, but I haven't seen it. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day, perhaps, in an alternate <laughs> timeline. So I guess we should just get right into it. (laughs) Yeah, so to no one's surprise, really, the movie starts out with Hawkeye and his family getting snapped. And although it was pretty obvious it was going to happen, it still, like, hit pretty hard. And it was, like, a good reminder of what the world experienced (laughs) when the snap occurred. Because they didn't just, like, show Hawkeye, show his family, snap happens, blah, blah, blah. Like, they had a nice touching moment with all of them together. And then the snap happened. And it was sad. It was definitely a good starting point. The way they're just like, let's resituate you in the snap, like what happened in Infinity War, but with something you haven't seen yet, and then move on from there. Yeah, and then we jump back to space, where Tony and Nebula are just slowly dying (laughs) in the vastness of empty space. And we get, like, kind of funny, cute scenes with them together, just like trying to pass the time, waiting to die. Yeah, but we get to see, like, Nebula's first time ever that she actually had fun, so that was cool. Yeah, and it's adorable. But, like, Nebula was, like, such an unexpected all-star of this movie, I never expected her role to be as big as it is. Like, I remember hearing in the comics that she's the one that wields the Infinity Gauntlet at the end and saves everyone or something, but, like, she didn't do that in this movie, and what she did bring to the table was fantastic. Yeah, I completely agree. For people who've listened to our previous episodes, you'll know that I don't really care for Nebula normally, but this movie actually did a really good job of making me care about her, and I really liked her in this film. Yeah, and it's especially interesting because you literally see her and her old self meet and interact, and her meet Gamora of the past, and it's just such a good way to see how much has changed with her. It's pretty fucking deep to have someone meet their past selves that is less evolved than them and like has not gone through the same character growth yeah and it's super brutal when the present day nebula kills her past self oh yeah it's so good but so bad (laughs) it's it's so dark (laughs) you can see just nebula the past just can't break away from her brainwashing and it's so upsetting and Nebula knows better than anyone that there is nothing that would stop her in that moment. So she has to kill her. 
Yeah, and it was super weird because this movie actually made me want to go back and rewatch my least favorite movie in the Marvel Universe, which is Guardians 2, because it made me want to see her evolution again. (laughs) (laughs) It also makes me want to rewatch Guardians 1, because that movie seems like it's the most retconned movie in the MCU, since now it's very clear that Gamora knew that the Power Stone was what was in the orb on Morag. And listening to our previous podcasts, I'm pretty sure she didn't know in that movie. Yeah, plus the fact that half of Gamora's people have been killed when in Guardians they said that all of them had been killed and she was the only survivor. (laughs) Yep, so it's nice but weird that they fixed a few things. Yeah, though I think Incredible Hulk might be in the running for most retcons as well. Yeah, and it's not even the same actor. (laughs) Like... That movie is the most detached from the rest of the MCU by far. Yeah. Either way, I really appreciated seeing those scenes of Nebula and Tony Stark together and how, although she's kind of uncomfortable with dealing with this stranger one-on-one, she still really appreciates him and is trying to help him and basically lays him the rest in the spaceship, which is a really depressing moment. It is, but it's not to last because Captain Marvel saves them. Indeed, though I have absolutely no idea how she found them, other than maybe they're near Titan. (laughs) I'm also not sure if we're supposed to think that she was sent by the Avengers, since we never saw her introduction with them, aside from the post-credit scene in Captain Marvel, so we don't know if she's, like, being sent to find him now on their orders? Or what? But if she was being sent on their orders, then, I mean, Rocket would probably have some way to track his ship. So I could see that happening. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. That makes sense. Because I was thinking, yeah, Captain Marvel was probably sent to scout out Titan because that was his last known position. But I didn't think about Rocket knowing how to track his ship. Good point. Thank you. I stole it from Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that, even if it wasn't original, that was one of my weird questions that I wanted to have answered, but that's a really logical reason. Either way, I'm kind of glad they skipped over Captain Marvel meeting the Avengers in this movie, since it kind of would have taken a lot of time, and since their role was surprisingly small in this movie, I don't think it would have been worth spending the time on everyone getting to know Captain Marvel, the new girl. I don't think it would have taken that much time. They could have done, like, two minutes. Well, they kind of had two minutes where Captain Marvel shows up and she's like, all right, I'm going to go kill Thanos. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And she's super confident. And then like Thor tests her by like summoning Stormbreaker right next to her and she doesn't flinch. Like that was a enough, I guess. <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Marvel is doing a very good job with Captain Marvel as a character. I don't think she was very fleshed out in her own film, and she was hardly in this one. They don't seem to really know how to use her, so... Yeah, one of the reasons why we didn't really do a podcast on the Captain Marvel movie is we both thought it was a bit mediocre. (laughs) She's a weird character. She's not really fleshed out. I do appreciate that she's like a Super Saiyan, and she's like, all right, I'm super strong. I don't really care about collateral damage. I'm just going to go in headfirst and hit stuff. And I can appreciate that kind of character being in the MCU. Like, the closest we've ever had a character to being like that was Thor. But yeah, her personality really isn't fleshed out very well. 
Yeah, and it's really a shame since it's the only solo female movie in the Marvel Universe so far. The 21st film in, we finally got a solo movie about a woman, and it was subpar. Um, yeah. <laughs> Though, now I'm extra curious about there being a Black Widow movie still, because I guess it's going to be in the past now? That's That's the big question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and like, although beforehand I've always said... I would prefer a movie set in the past for Black Widow. Now that she's dead, I kind of want to lay her to rest and not have a movie about her. Yeah, we had her ending and we also have a finale to this entire arc of the past of these films. So I don't really want to go back into it. (laughs) Yeah, the only one of the original six that I'm excited to see more of is if Thor is actually going to be in Guardians 3, that'll be freaking amazing. Yeah, for sure. Especially now that Chris Hemsworth is so much more excited to play the character because of how much he enjoyed playing Thor and Ragnarok. Like, I'm excited to see more of him and he's excited to be there. So that's awesome. And I'm really curious how he'll work with James Gunn's directing since Taika Waititi's directing was much more like free and just everyone improving whatever and James Gunn seems like he runs more of a tight ship with how he wants things so I'm not sure how that'll work out but I am interested yeah I feel like James Gunn is really good with characters of that nature though and I feel like he'll write Thor in a way that Chris Hemsworth will enjoy and also leave some room for flexibility with the script I'm sure they probably did a lot of ablibbing on the Guardian set yeah maybe yeah Just in, like, funny moments, not in, like, crucial moments, like in Ragnarok. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) But we should probably get back to this movie. (laughs) Yes. So all the Avengers rush immediately to go take down Thanos again. And it turns out that he's already destroyed all the Infinity Stones and they chop off his head in the first 20 minutes of the film. (laughs) Yeah, which was super crazy. I never saw that coming. And it was just... So strange and cool and depressing. Yeah, it was like, oh, I guess, I guess the movie is over now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched it, I wanted to jokingly like to stand up and leave. I'm like, cool, son, great movie, guys. <laughs> All right, yay. Yeah, but seriously, the Russos just like time and time again in this film just completely dodged everything that everyone was expecting to happen. This being one of them, just killing the main villain right at the start of the film. Yeah. So after this, I was like, well, I guess if we're not using any Infinity Stones, they're all gone. I I guess the only option is uh, time travel through the Quantum Realm. (laughs) Yeah, and like, that was a big theory going around, and it's not super surprising that they did time travel. But the way they did time travel was so much different than what I ever expected. Like, hopping back through their old movies was amazing. But also, I didn't expect there to be, like, true lasting damage. I thought they were going to go back the one the snap happened and just undo it. Not only undo the killing of people and keep the five years of damage done. Oh, yeah. Viewing this movie with Infinity War would have changed my viewing of Infinity War so much. Because I could not believe that anything was at stake with the snap. It was so hard for me to get past that. And I just kept feeling like... Obviously, they're all coming back. None of this actually matters. And then this movie made it so that it actually does matter. And I was not expecting that at all. 
Yeah, I definitely really appreciate that decision, and I never saw it coming, especially because now the movies are in 2023, and that's going to be super weird for the next group of movies because they have to either be in space or something or hold for four years while we catch up to them. (laughs) Yeah, and half the people are going to be five years older, which will be a big deal for some films like Spider-Man, or at least I hope it is. I don't know how they're going to do this, like, unless his entire class just happened to be snapped. <laughs> but um, I've never taken a close look at the new Spider-Man trailer because the last trailer spoiled a lot, so I don't trust Sony with this. But I'm guessing only the core members of Spidey's group are going to be there, just him and Ned and MJ. I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of people not there. But I'm guessing they're not going to mention it much because I don't think they would have told the actors what had happened. Because they didn't want any of these young kid actors to accidentally spoil the ending of Endgame on accident. I don't know. I feel like that's a big deal to just not touch on in that film. I think they'll touch on it, but only in scenes with characters that were in Endgame. Maybe. Just none of the other kids. I was also confused... With the ending of this film when Spider-Man goes back to his school and Ned is there and he looks like so deeply sorrowful and happy to see his friend again because it made it seem like he had thought he was dead and he came back like Ned hadn't been snapped. But Ned was still the same age and in school. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, but I'm guessing it's just that. Once the people got unsnapped, they learned about what happened and the magnitude of it and... Even though they were both snapped, it was still, like, emotionally, like, heavy to, like, see each other again and just be so thankful that they're back and alive. It would have been cool to see more characters have reunions with snapped people because the only one we really get, which isn't even a real one, is Scott Lang meeting Cassie. Because Scott wasn't snapped, but he was gone for five years, and that's, like, the only experience of that nature we saw. Unless you count Avengers Assemble. I mean, to some extent, because we did see it among the Avengers, like Peter and Tony. Yeah, but, like, nothing outside of that, really. Like, while they were zooming around the world showing, like, in Wakanda, they're celebrating, in this place, they're celebrating, it would have been nice to see, like, families be reunited in that moment, and we didn't see that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I thought they would show more of the, like, immediate after effects of the snap as well. And they didn't really show much of that either. They just said, the governments are in shambles, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, and they just showed that, like, stadiums are abandoned and things of that nature. Yeah, so they don't show a ton of aftermath. They just cut to five years later, where everyone is super depressed. And we get, like, the most ground level we have probably been with these characters which is super interesting because Infinity War was super epic and climactic and we hardly spent any time on the ground with the characters. And then this movie was the complete opposite of that and just situated you right as ground level as you could get. Yeah, and it was amazing but incredibly depressing to see these characters just broken and in shambles. Like... First, we get the scene of Captain America in, like, a group therapy session, which is kind of neat because we get a Joe Russo cameo, and the creator of Thanos was actually in that group. But then we cut to Black Widow managing the Avengers, and she is just so broken. Like, can barely manage to eat a sandwich. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was sad. But also, apparently, Joe Russo is our first um, gay character in the entire MCU. So that was an interesting part. I still cannot believe there isn't, like, another gay character in the main series, like, of movies, not the TV shows. Because although they used to try to promote the TV shows as being connected with the movies, they're really not. Like, season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the closest thing to being directly connected to the movies, and it's not. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, I really don't see them as, like, canon with the MCU. And, like, Coulson has been on public TV in the TV shows, and, like, the Inhumans are huge and everywhere in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And in the Inhumans TV show, I'm sure they're public as well. I haven't watched that show because it's crap. Um... (laughs) So, excluding the TV shows, it's really weird to think that this is our first gay character. Like, maybe Valkyrie will have a lesbian relationship in the future, since they're probably having that character be bisexual. But we haven't had that yet. Yep. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) But it's funny that you say you're taking this as canon that they're not connected when they finally connected them in this film. Yeah, because they had Jarvis! From Agent Carter. Yeah, Agent Carter. That's the only TV show that's, like, truly canon with the MCU. Although it has some weird issues with the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even though it makes me wonder if they included Jarvis from the TV show because they just completely erased that whole TV show from existence by having Captain America with Peggy the whole time. I mean, it's not erased from existence. It just didn't happen in the other timeline, I guess. Or did it? We don't actually know when Steve showed up. We don't know if he waited a little while or if he showed up like immediately after. Many questions that we'll never know the answer to. No, we don't really know the answer to any of them. It's super confusing and uh, we don't really know what happened, but I was just bringing it up as a, we the whole show might not actually be canon since she was single the whole time. So who knows anymore? Oh yeah, I guess. But it is cool to have Jarvis be the first and only TV character to show up in the MCU. Yes. Which is also great, because he's, like, one of my favorite TV characters. He's a fabulous character. Yeah. Maybe we'll get Fitzsimmons one day. Who knows? Let's not go crazy, Henry. We're we're never getting them. (laughs) (laughs) Coulson is never coming back, everyone. Stop. (laughs) I mean, he did come back in the past. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you count that in Captain Marvel. (laughs) I thought he'd be in Captain Marvel a lot more. Anyways, back to this movie. We do need to, of course, talk about our MVP, the rat, (laughs) bringing Ant-Man back to the present from the quantum realm. Yeah, that's a a very uh, special rat. So Ant-Man finally gets out, and he goes to them with the crazy notion of time travel. Who could have seen that one coming after the end of his movie? No one, uh, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) And who do they go to but Tony Stark? Yeah, who, it's so weird to see how all the rest of the Avengers have handled this catastrophe and to see Tony Stark and him now raising a family and doing the best with what he has left in this almost destroyed universe. Yeah. Especially because right when he got back from space, we just see him in this incredibly distraught and depressing state where he flipped out at Captain America about what happened in civil war and we never got their reunion in infinity war which is something we really expected to see and how it went down in this movie was really surprising especially when they cut to five years later 
and how when Tony sees the other Avengers, he's genuinely happy to see them, but like he just kind of wants nothing to do with them anymore. Yeah, and honestly, it was a huge wasted opportunity not having them reunite in Infinity War because all that tension of how they would reconnect and move forward is just completely erased by the fact that they already lost and now it's just like, oh, we already failed, so hi. Uh I guess I'm mad at you for failing. Okay. And now we're now that's fixed. Five years later. We're happy now. Cool. Yeah, it's a little weird and definitely not what I was expecting. But in this scene we also get introduced to Morgan, who's adorable. She might not be as great as Cassie, but she's awesome also. Cassie is better. But now Cassie's a teenager, and she's ruined. I'm so sad. I want little Cassie back. Yeah, it is very sad. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be really interesting in Ant-Man 3 or Young Avengers or wherever she pops up again to see how she moves this character forward. Because Young Cassie is this really strange character. Like, she's like a really weird little girl. And I wonder if they're going to make it feel like it's the same human. (laughs) Don't know. Maybe we'll get both Cassies. Time travel shenanigans. I mean, if any movie's going to do it, it's going to be Ant-Man 3. Though, I really hope they don't do time travel again, because that's a dangerous thing to play with. Yeah, it'll mess up everything. Or it's just broken. (laughs) They can just do everything forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the weird thing about this universe. Like, they made five new timelines, only removing Thanos from one of them. Which means, if those timelines still exist, Thanos did all the events leading to the snap in at least three of those. Who knows what happened with the Loki timeline? And then, in that case, all of those timelines would have had their own Avengers trying to undo the snap, and they would make their own four or five timelines, and we have an infinite chain of infinitely new parallel universes! Ah! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The whole timeline thing is really confusing, because I feel like they tried to make it make sense by saying the present is not changeable, but then... If you go back to the past and it doesn't change your present, but everything is wrong, then it has to create a branch into a new timeline. And then they try to have the Ancient One explain something about, like, when you remove a stone from this reality, it'll create a separate branch that fractures that reality. And that if you put the stone back, then the flow of time will return to normal. But I I just don't think this makes any sense. And I don't even know if that was applying to the timelines because... It's not like they got Loki back. Well, we don't know that because we don't know what Cap did. He could have captured Loki and brought him back to Earth at the right time. Or close to the right time. Do you really think so? I have no idea. Does Captain America have a spaceship now? He doesn't need to when he has the space and time stones. Let's be real. Would he use those stones? I mean, the time machine also teleports you through space. And he had the time machine. Yes... Do you think they can use it to teleport across the universe? They already did. That's how they got the Morag. That's true. But then then they had to fly from there. (laughs) That was the weirdest thing. Why did Black Widow and Hawkeye also go to Morag? They should have went straight to Vormir. (laughs) Maybe you have to go from the machine itself to get to across the universe. Maybe. So maybe that's a problem for Cap. But it wasn't a problem for Black Widow and Hawkeye. I have no idea why they went with Nebula and War Machine. To Morag. Yeah, that's a good point. Either way, like, although what happened to the other timelines is really confusing, I do understand their idea of the history of the characters we are seeing is permanent. 
when they go back in time and visit a timeline, that is their current present. Everything that has happened to them is their past. When they return to the present, that's now their present again. But everything they experienced is still something they experienced in their past. Their other timeline past, but still their past. So for them, it's a continuous flow of time, even though it's weird. Yeah. Also, if the six Infinity Stones make the flow of time, then since Thanos destroyed them all in the current timeline, I guess time has stopped. The, there's there's no more time. But it didn't, so the Ancient One is wrong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> A lot of people are taking the Ancient One's explanation as, like, why the timelines are still intact, but I don't think that makes sense. And when I watched it, I thought that she was saying that it would just, like, create fractures in the realities that bad things would happen in. I thought she was saying once they returned the stones, the alternate timelines they made would just like kind of disappear. <laughs> but that doesn't really make sense. I don't know. It's confusing. It really doesn't make sense, especially since Captain America returned to the stones and lived in the past his whole life. Yeah, but also it seems like he did return through the time machine to get back. So maybe he sealed and finished that parallel universe, so when he left, it disappeared again or something? I don't know. I mean, we don't know that at all. They make it seem like he just aged back to the present, which doesn't even make sense, because they can't change the past, and he's not in the past with Peggy in this timeline. Yeah. <laughs> but the only thing I can see making sense is if he lived in an alternate timeline and then used the machine to jump back to this timeline at the last minute, right before meeting them. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But if he returned all the stones and the timelines all disappeared, that wouldn't be able to happen. So that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. <laughs> in the timeline when he took the Tesseract in the 70s, maybe he went to that timeline, but further back, had a life with Peggy, then put the Tesseract back in the 70s. That wouldn't exactly make sense because he's not old enough, but maybe he did put it back in the same place. Also, what about the pin particles? Did they need to bring pin particles too and put pin particles back? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I'm still confused about them not bringing the glove back for the Hawkeye timeline. I think we just have to accept that none of this makes any sense. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> and move on. Yeah, so Iron Man says no. Although later in the movie we get a little heart-to-heart -heart with him and Pepper and about how he can't rest without trying to make a difference if he has the ability to do it. And that's a really touching moment. I really appreciate how much Pepper was in this movie. She was always great when she was on screen. And we don't get enough of her, especially these days in the MCU, because we haven't had an Iron Man movie since, like, 2010. What do you mean? Infinity War and Endgame were Iron Man movies. <laughs> Uh, and Civil War. Oh, yeah. Hey, Captain America was in Endgame more than Iron Man, actually, which is interesting. God, Captain America didn't even get his own full trilogy. It was an Iron Man <laughs> ending. Ugh. Hey, I mean, did Iron Man really... Iron Man 2 was Avengers prequel weirdness instead of an actually good movie. He was still the main character of three films by himself. Yeah. I'm I'm just joking around, man. Oh, God, I want another Iron Man movie, but now we won't ever get one. We sure will not. I think we've gotten enough. 
I beg to differ. <laughs> I think this was the perfect send-off for your favorite character. I am jealous of you. <laughs> Good. I mean, thank you. I mean, haha. I don't know how to respond. Ah! <laughs> it means you can stop wishing for more, you greedy bastard. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then our remaining Avengers decide there's one more person with a brain big enough who might know how to deal with time travel, which is Professor Hulk. Never saw this coming. God, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it was weird. He's so strange. He has, like, his own new personality, which I guess is a mix of the Hulk personality and Banner's personality. But to me, it seemed just totally different and weird. Yeah, it was just like... Confident banner. <laughs> it wasn't just confident, it was cocky and weird. And, like, kind of dumb at moments. Like, once they start testing time travel, and, like, they're making Ant-Man age in weird ways, and he shows up as a baby, and Banner makes a joke like, Oh, he's a baby, he'll grow. Like, that didn't feel like a Banner joke to me. It was just very strange and off-putting. Okay. <laughs> You didn't think it was weird at all? Like, we've never seen that kind of side of him before. I guess I just don't really care that much about Banner and haven't paid that much attention to him because I didn't notice that he had different characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the weird things with him is the fact that after Infinity War, it seemed like they set up a conflict of him mastering powerful hulk and fighting thanos and we never saw that in this movie which was a bit of a letdown i really wanted to see him let loose yeah it was super disappointing and i feel like everyone feels that way because it definitely felt like they were going towards something like that yeah in infinity war and just never having the smart hulk use the hulk side of him except to snap his fingers was odd and it's like why get the best of both worlds if you're not going to use both worlds yeah like he also held up the avengers facility for a while to save war machine and rocket but yeah i really wanted to see hulk let loose and fight <laughs> yeah we also got another character who's changed quite a bit though because we get fat thor <laughs> sigh <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things that I never even fathomed it being a possibility that this would happen. It's so weird, but it makes perfect sense in character and in universe. Like, this man lost everything in Ragnarok and Infinity War. He lost his home. He lost the remainder of his family. He lost the majority of his friends. And he had a chance to save the universe and deal the final blow to Thanos... And he missed, essentially, because he wanted to gloat. And witnessing how much this has just destroyed him as a person was incredible, but still weird to just see him be like this weird new joke. Yeah, it's also weird that they made it a joke after like, like they did PTSD with Tony, like super seriously. And then when they do it with Thor, it's like humorous. Yeah. Which was a completely different take and odd. It was humorous at some points, but also, like, it did feel heavy and weighty when it needed to be, especially during those moments with his mother. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, that's true. 
There are a lot of interesting cameos in this movie that I never expected, like the Ancient One and his mother. And I really appreciated those moments. I am so glad that Frigga showed up. It was so good to see her. It really was. She's such a great character. And she really shined in this movie, even though she wasn't there for that long. Like, I feel like I got to know her character so much better now. And apparently I saw this somewhere online. Like, she had more lines in this movie than in Thor 1 and 2, which is just sad. Which I don't know if that's true, because she seems to do a lot in Thor 2, or like a solid amount, but... I don't know. I haven't watched that movie since we made our podcast on it. Yeah. Um, Also doing like a minor retcon and having the Ancient One actually helping in the Battle of New York was a cool tie-in as well. That was super cool. Because it's always been a giant question of why were they not helping back then? Yeah. And as a brief aside on that note, I'm really curious how they're going to bring in the X-Men now that Disney owns the Fox-owned Marvel properties. Since the X-Men in the comics is like a very old establishment. And there's absolutely no excuse they can make for them not being involved in Infinity War and Endgame. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to make them work. Especially with, like, Magneto, since you can't really do the whole Holocaust stuff with him anymore. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I really hope that however they bring the X-Men into the universe, it's, like, a completely fresh start. They don't try to, like, say they were hidden but there the whole time, because that would feel really bad. In fact, I think something that would be kind of cool is if they say, after people got undusted there were some weird effects and now people have powers because of that. Maybe. Or they're all in an alternate timeline and manage to come across to this one. <laughs> no, don't do that. The only X-Men Marvel character that's allowed to show up is Deadpool. Maybe Negasonic, because she was good too. But Deadpool's the only one who's allowed to make the transition. I'm not saying the Fox X-Men. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just joking around. I just really don't want them to do that. <laughs> So even as a joke, I'm just like, no, please don't make them come from an alternate universe. That'll be so dumb. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's also nice to get confirmation like Korg and Meek and the other half of the Asgardians survived. Though their town is really sad. Oh, and Valkyrie, of course. But still no information on Lady Sif. Yeah. Poor Sif. I'm so sad she wasn't in the final fight. It would have been cool if she'd shown up. Yep, she was the first, like, major female fighter other than, like, Black Widow and Iron Man 2. And it's uh, upsetting not to have her. Which is funny because Benedict Wong is like, what, you wanted more people? And we're like, yes! Yes, yes, we did. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, something that would have been kind of cool is if they got, like, a few old villains to show up like vulture because hey this is a fight for humanity he should help too no that would have been a stretch but cool no come on the vulture he's awesome (laughs) not necessary (laughs) yeah and then the last avenger to get after thor is hawkeye who is the most boring avenger but in this movie he's at his coolest yet yeah he is great in this movie Even though cool boring is still boring. I thought he was fantastic (laughs) in this movie. And to be fair, I think he was good in all the movies he's in. Even Thor. 
he's he okay i'm sorry i just don't care about him still i cannot care about him i did care about him the most i've ever cared about him in this film but it's not enough <laughs> you just uh, in a in a in a movie with superpowers a guy with arrows just is not that exciting i will again state he's not much different than black widow in fact he is cooler gadgets than her black widow is cooler to watch fight sure and she's the only girl so she gets a pass from the original group yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was really cool to see his transition into darkness after the snap because his whole deal is he has now witnessed his own family die, a group of like wonderful, innocent people, and so many horrible people have survived, and he's decided to kill them all. And that's hardcore. <laughs> it's kind of like Death Note. It's kind of like Punisher, too. Oh, yeah. Actually, not even kind of. It's exactly like Punisher. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. I don't, uh, okay. <laughs> I really didn't think about that. Yep, Punisher for the movies, Hawkeye. Or Ronan, should we call him? We can just call him Clint. No. Or Barton. Okay. Or Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of yeah. surprised by how quickly Black Widow was able to, like, convert him back to the light. Clearly, like, any hope that his family could return was enough to, like, pull him back from the darkness. But I still expected a little bit more after the scene earlier in the movie with War Machine telling her, do we even want to find Hawkeye anymore? Like, he is so far lost. I didn't see it as pulling him back to the light. I just saw it as we're getting him to go on this mission with us because it's the only way to get his family back. Yeah, I just felt like it would have been a little bit different. I don't know. Well, I'm glad we didn't spend more time on Hawkeye. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be so mean to Hawkeye. He's good. I mean, we've now had two better heroes give their lives for Hawkeye, the worst Avenger, so I am not going (laughs) to be nicer to him. Oh, man. It would have been really intriguing to have, like, Quicksilver pop up in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it would have. (laughs) Stop giving your lives for Hawkeye, people. (laughs) No, it is fitting that Hawkeye survived this film to be able to reunite with his family, though I do have lots of thoughts on the Black Widow scene, which I can cover when we get there. Yeah. So I really like that when we get to the time heist plan and, like, now everyone's assembled, they figured out time travel, because Tony Stark can, of course, figure it out in, like, a week. We don't really know how long it actually was, but (laughs) it didn't seem like it was very long. I love the moment when they realized if they went back to the time of Avengers 1, there are three stones in New York. And since I had no idea they were going to go back through the movies, I thought this was amazing. (laughs) And it immediately made me so excited for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I knew that time travel was going to be involved because there were like set picks where they were in the background of the Avengers film. But... I thought they were going to go through a lot more of the movies because of that. And they only went through three. So that was kind of a surprise. But it was still really cool to see. Yeah, it totally was. So as a quick summary, in the Avengers timeline, we have Iron Man, Captain America, Ant-Man, and the Hulk trying to get the space, mind, and time stones. In the Thor 2 timeline, we have Thor and Rocket trying to get the Aether, or the Reality Stone. 
And in 2014, the Guardians timeline, we have Nebula and War Machine going after the Power Stone on Morag. And Black Widow and Hawkeye going to Vormir for the Soul Stone. Indeed. Yeah. I thought it was really weird that they paired Black Widow and Hawkeye together to go for the Soul Stone. Like, of course, they work really well together. And yes, it fits perfectly well for the Vormir scene because... Although they didn't know, the audience knows, oh shit, one of them's going to have to die to get the stone. But I just found it to be super weird that, like, why didn't Rocket go with them so that they'd had someone more comfortable with space, like, (laughs) take them to Vormir? Like, I'm surprised War Machine wasn't the one who went with Thor or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only... The only reason that Black Widow and Hawkeye are together going to Vormir is because they care about each other, which makes the sacrifice a thing. Yeah. It's entirely plot convenience. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Which, honestly, is kind of disappointing because, well, first when I saw this, I thought they knew that they had to sacrifice someone. And then when they didn't know, I was like, oh, you, oh, oh, okay. Oh, no. (laughs) But then it would have been way cooler if they'd, like, figured out a way around it because having one of them die is kind of meh. Well, clearly Iron Man should have went to that timeline with Morgan. Easy. So that he can fridge his daughter instead? That was a joke, but yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that so, is a horrible right, yeah, joke. I know. Well, okay. When we got to the scene with Morgan in the movie, I was terrified that they were going to undo history and thus basically kill Morgan. So I'm really glad that how the movie actually played out, Morgan got to live. Because that was like, that stressed me out. Yeah, I never feared for that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Tony Stark's baby! His no, little I, girl. I, she I loves never her 3,000. No. I never thought that she would be undone. I was going in under the impression that they were just going to undo the snap. And not just like maintain the five years that had happened. So I was very concerned. I'm surprised you weren't. I don't know why you would think they wouldn't have done it at that point. I just didn't think undoing the snap would stop him from having a daughter. But it wouldn't have been the same person. And all of those years would have been lost. But it would have been the same person. It's the same baby. Not necessarily. We don't know if Pepper was pregnant before or after. I'm pretty sure we do, even though it's weird that they didn't, like, show anything before the five years later mark. Like, the only reason that they would be talking about it in Infinity War is if she was pregnant. Since they never confirmed it, I would not accept that as a given. How old is the daughter? We don't know. Exactly. She looks about five. I mean, she'd be four either way. But if she's three or four, like, I don't know. Either way, only three weeks pass between Infinity War and Endgame. So Tony theoretically could have gotten Pepper pregnant soon after. Though I feel like they would have wanted time to mourn the universe. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that was... I, I, I just don't agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was never confirmed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to get my rants about Vormir out of the way while we're here. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about Vormir. Apparently, it's the planet where strong female characters go to die. <laughs> because they have now twice killed the only female character on the team. At this place in exchange for the soul stone. And I hated it the first time with Gamora. 
and I hate it with Black Widow. <laughs> I hated the scene the first time with Gamora because I didn't feel like Gamora was written well in the first movie or acted well. But this scene I thought was a lot better. And I really loved the moments between Black Widow and Hawkeye. And I thought their fight was really cool, too. The only thing I didn't like was the actual moment of death. Because something about watching them fall and then just seeing their corpse lying there just feels kind of silly to me. And after having seen it in Infinity War, it just didn't land. Haha, land. With me. The way it should have. It didn't have the right impact. Okay. I was too focused on the fact that she just died for Clint. Um, yeah. Okay, so here's my thing. The first time that I saw it, I was like, I was just dying the entire time. Like, no, please don't, don't, don't die. Don't you dare die for him, Natasha. No. And then she died for him. And it hurt a lot. Upon second viewing of the film, though, I was able to watch it from start to finish. And her entire arc going towards that death was really well done. And the fact that she did it to save Clint from his dark past after he had originally saved her from her dark past was full circle and was a really cool idea. So the execution in the film of this whole plot line is actually really well done for a death. If it was a man or if there was more women on the team, it would be perfect but because it was the only woman on the team, it hurt a lot. And that is why I don't, I, I still struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, it really was excellent. And it really did make perfect sense. And like a lot of the whole movie was setting up for Hawkeye to get reunited with his family. So him being the one to die would have been a little odd, to be honest. But losing Black Widow hurts because she is such a wonderful character. It really does. And it's like one that no one expected. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I never thought about it. Like, going into the movie, I was expecting Iron Man and Cap to die. And that's basically what I got. I mean, Cap technically didn't die, but he's essentially retired. So, yeah, I got what I expected, but I never expected her. Nope. And although that seems heartbreaking, a little bit of me also wonders what it would have been like if Cap showed up on Vormir instead. Maybe if Cap and Black Widow went together, since they're also really close. Because... Seeing him meet Red Skull as the guardian of the Soul Stone would have been so interesting. I really want to see that moment, or I really wish we got to see him return the Soul Stone there. I'm bummed. <laughs> yes, I want that so badly. I can't believe they did not show us Captain America meeting his original foe, like, who is actually alive. That is such a crime. <laughs> yeah, I'm really hoping they do, like, a one-shot of Captain America returning the stones. Because he totally had to meet him to return the stone to Vormir. And we don't get to see it. <laughs> Probably. Maybe if the soul stone is recovered, then there's no longer a guardian. So the Red Skull, like, died or disappeared. But what happens when you put it back? That's a new question. Can you even put it back? That's another question. Like, how does this work? So many questions and no answers. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, jumping to one of the other timelines... So we already talked about Thor's timeline and Frigga, and seeing Frigga again was excellent. Having Jane Foster back in the universe was really surprising, even though she doesn't actually, like, talk. She is a character I've never liked, and 
it was actually really fitting and kind of cool to have her in this movie. So I'm surprised that she was in this movie, and I'm surprised I thought it was well done. I don't know why you thought it was fitting or cool, to be honest. I mean, it was just funny. Like, just the whole idea of having to get the Aether through Jane was just intriguing. Like, they also could have gone to a later time period and just gotten it from the Collector. Like, Thor literally dropped off the Aether to him. He could have just stolen it from himself or from the Collector. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I thought it was odd that they chose to go to the time with Jane to (laughs) take it out of her instead. But I guess it's because they didn't want a repeat of, like, they had just gotten the stone and the scepter from Loki. So then would they go and when they had just gotten the stone from Thor 2, like, go to the same spot for each timeline would have been kind of odd. Yeah. And also, maybe getting it back from the Collector would have been really hard. Who knows where he stored it. I'm guessing it's because they just wanted to go back through their films, though, and not, like, two things they hadn't shown. Yeah, and it was a good excuse to go to Asgard and meet Frigga, which was good. Yes, though, we miss our second opportunity to see the ether condensed into a stone. They just don't even bother again. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. (laughs) Which, Thor even makes a joke about this. He's like, oh yeah, it's not really a stone. It's more like a liquidy mass that's like... I think he called it an evil sludge. Oh yeah, evil sludge. (laughs) Um, But then when they actually have it, it's just a stone. I'm like, okay, then... (laughs) Yeah, it would have been interesting to see it actually form onto the gauntlet. Uh, Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And one other weird thing that I never expected from this timeline was Thor getting Mjolnir back from his past self and then keeping it with him and taking it to the present. I never saw that coming. Yeah, me either, and I love to just picture Thor holding his hammer, and it just, like, suddenly shoots out of his hand and goes into other Thor's hand, and he's like, where the fuck did my hammer go? (laughs) That would have been amazing to see. (laughs) It would have, but also, like, I'm curious how that would have worked, because he would have, could like, if he was trying to summon it back while other Thor was also summoning it, I, I don't know what happens. Would it be like... In Star Wars, when two people with the Force are both trying to pull on the same object? Probably, yeah. That'd be cool. Now I want to <laughs> see that. <laughs> well, you will never get your wish. No! Yeah, so he takes Mjolnir with him. Yeah. And then we have the Avengers timeline, which, holy crap, it was so, so amazing to see Avengers 1 in another perspective. Like... Getting to see the seconds after a very iconic moments from another perspective was just so incredible to me. And I never knew how much I wanted that. Like, seeing the moment after they all pose above Loki about to capture him was hilarious and amazing. And especially, like, we get to see Loki transform into Captain America for the first time, which is a perfect callback to Thor 2 again. Yeah. And... Oh, it's so funny. Then we get the elevator scene with Captain America, which it's a callback to Winter Soldier. And you think he's going to say, like, before we begin, does anyone want to get out? But then instead he says, hail Hydra. And it's the most mind-blowingly perfect thing he ever could have said. And I just remember being in the crowd and, like, 
no one was standing, but it was almost like we were going to give him a standing ovation for how incredible that was. Right? It was so great. <laughs> so clever. So amazing. I was just, like, shocked by how well done it was. Uh, that might be my favorite moment of the movie, to be honest. And not only that, but it, like, it's also a reference to the comics when Cap is Hydra for a while. Yeah. Just the amount of Winter Soldier references in the Avengers timeline is so cool to me. Oh, because of Hydra showing up? Yeah, we see Sitwell and Rumlow and and Senator Pierce, I think is his name. Like, all of these characters that are so iconic for a later movie, seeing how the Avengers in their, like, innocent youth react and communicated with these people was incredible. And it gives so much more depth to this world, seeing how deeply interconnected it is. Yeah, and then seeing that there was that, like, confrontation between Tony and Hydra for who gets the Tesseract and Loki was was super unexpected, and it made me wonder how the heck it actually played out in the original. <laughs> yeah, because if it wasn't for Ant-Man, that scene would have played out entirely differently, and somehow I guess Thor would have convinced them to let him keep Loki and the Tesseract, I guess? Even though I don't see how, since they are literally Hydra, and he was very aggressively trying to get it. I mean, it's hard to mess with Thor. Though there was one really weird moment about that scene, where Thor was, like, helping reboot Tony's heart, essentially, with his hammer. And he was like, oh yeah, I had no idea if that would work. That didn't really feel, to me, like Avengers 1 Thor. Especially because at that point, he had only known Tony for, like, a day. And that kind of bond didn't really feel to, like, exist between them at that point. I feel like that wasn't really established until the era of Age of Ultron. So it was, like, really weird to me that that happened. What bond? They, all he did was restart his heart. I'm finding it a little bit hard to put it in the words. It just, they just felt, like, way closer than they should have been at that moment. Okay, sure. Yeah, it just stood out to me. Then we get the hilarious grumbling of Hulk with the stairs uh, (laughs) and him just blasting his way through so that their plan goes completely awry and Loki gets the Tesseract, which I am assuming will lead to his Loki solo series on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that was so funny. The the funniest thing is just the fact that Hulk actually walked down the stairs instead of just like jumping down. (laughs) So many stairs! Oh my god. Yeah, Just the moment of Loki seeing the Tesseract on the ground and going for it just like made my heart skip a beat and make me so excited for more. And if that's what his TV show is going to be, I'm pumped. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea what it's going to be. It'll I be don't interesting. Because he's yeah. always played against Thor, so I don't, I don't know what his solo series is going to be. That's true. It'll be weird to have him on his own. But like... Just the brief moment of Loki flipping the cup again in the Thor 2 timeline and the bits and pieces we get of him in the Avengers timeline, just it just made me so happy to see Loki again. He was great. Yeah. We also get Cap versus Cap. New Cap is just so exhausted by old Cap. <laughs> Which really hurt my soul. Because I'm like, stop, stop being so hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least he appreciates his own ass. I mean, America's ass. Yes. Though... They do just kind of throw away Cap's iconic line and kind of mock it, which it was hilarious, but it was also sad and like made it feel like they didn't respect it. It was really funny, but it was weird. 
And it hurt that they chose to use it here when it was like not fitting at all. Like he wasn't beaten down, which is when he's always says that line. He was just like, oh, yeah, I could do this all day. Yeah, he said it like way too casually there. I agree. And then to not have it at the end fight when he's actually beaten down and facing Thanos' entire army on his own, when that line totally should have been said in its normal iconic way for the last time, not getting it like that and just getting it in this mocking way, it was painful. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree, except for at that moment in the final battle when he is standing on his own, I think the silence fits really well. And right after that, he gets the moment to say Avengers Assemble. So having like catchphrase after catchphrase, I think, wouldn't have worked as well. I don't know. Thanos was talking shit when Cap was like beaten down on the ground. So I feel like if they changed Thanos' line and then had Cap say, I could do this all day as he stood up and then had the moment of silence, it could still work. Yeah, you're right. And really quickly, one other thing we have for this timeline is the Hulk meeting the Ancient One, which I really loved. It was like such a surprising thing to see her in this movie to me because i had no idea she was going to be in this movie and she fits so well and like we were saying before like them retconning that the wizards were helping the whole time was really well done except for it felt like they could have done a lot more (laughs) yeah i mean she could probably have stopped loki all on her own but i guess there was no need since the avengers would do it yeah i mean apparently fury didn't think there was any need to call captain marvel then so Clearly, the Ancient One also thought they didn't need help. Yeah. The fact that she knows, like, so many things about the future, though, brings so many other questions to the phone. Yeah, they covered that in the Doctor Strange movie, but I don't remember all the details. But I think she was only able to see her own future. And that's why she didn't see the snap happening, because she was already dead by that point. That's an interesting theory. I don't, I don't know why you think that, though. I'd have to rewatch Doctor Strange, but I'm pretty sure they detail it there. Okay. Uh, I've actually been wanting to rewatch that film because Doctor Strange is so cool in this one. Yeah, he's so good in Infinity War and in Endgame. He doesn't get a lot of moments in this movie, though. No, but I feel like his Infinity War greatness kind of extends to this film. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because although he doesn't get as much in this movie as he did in Infinity War, every moment he did have really landed. Except for in the final battle when he spends half of it just holding up the water. Yeah, that was... <laughs> that was disappointing. That was really sad. I'm like, no, don't hold him back. This is just like the Hulk. I want to see him fight too. They definitely were nerfing some people in that fight. Yeah. So anyways, now that they have failed to retrieve the Tesseract because of Loki and his mischievous ways... Iron Man and Captain America go even further back in time to the 1970s, where they know that the Tesseract and more Pym Particles exist at the same time, which was a really clever twist that I never expected, and it was amazing to see Tony Stark interacting with his father, since throughout his own movies we've seen him dealing with his father issues, like how... He thought his dad never loved him. In Iron Man 2, he kind of learned that his dad always loved him. But since he didn't really remember that directly, he didn't really experience it. But now that he is his own child, talking to his own father just really put things into perspective for him. And he has so much more respect for him now. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't need this scene. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I needed it either, but I really did enjoy it. And it was... Kind of funny to see 
Tony being nervous to meet his own dad in that time period because we never get to see him like that, where he's the nervous, shy one. He's always the cocky, arrogant one. Yep. It was also really funny to see young Hank Pym freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if we got, like, more Captain America growth instead? (laughs) (laughs) That was the weird thing about this timeline because it was really cool to see him there and him getting to see Peggy in the distance was, like, a heart-wrenching moment. And it wouldn't have been right for him to meet Peggy there with how the end of the movie worked. But he could have. She's right there. Uh, Yeah. So a lot of people have been applauding the use of Captain America in this film. And I really wish that I was there with them. But I don't feel it. Captain America is my favorite character, and he's very present in this film, but he's given no character arcs, no emotional arcs at all in this movie. And honestly, the last time we had a character arc from Captain America was in Civil War. And the fact that we haven't checked in with him since then, and this is his finale, is absolutely ridiculous to me because he is the second foundation of this entire universe. And he is like 50% of the population's favorite character. Yeah, especially because he really didn't get a lot in Infinity War. Like, he kind of showed up and was there. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's like a huge part of the problem is that we never got any of his character evolution from Captain America to becoming Nomad, who he was in Infinity War. We never saw those years on the run with him and his team, which is what I really would have wanted out of Infinity War, is just a check-in with him (laughs) to see, like that missing time that we never get to see. Yeah. Like in this movie, he shaved his beard before it even started. Tony casually gave him back the shield. And that moment was even played off as a joke. Like him saying, Oh yeah, Morgan's going to use it as a sled. If I don't get rid of it. Yeah. See exactly. Like we don't get to see him become nomad and we don't get to see his journey back to why he's suddenly okay with taking back the mantle of Captain America. Like we don't see any of this growth that is happening in his character. Why? Why? <sighs> yeah. And it's really capped off with the moment when he grabs Thor's hammer where it's awesome, but it's kind of just confusing. Cause it's like, could he have done that in the beginning of the movie? Like what actually made him worthy at that moment? Yeah. And that, that's, that's, uh... And honestly, it's really sad because everyone was so excited by that scene, but it really just fell flat for me because I didn't see any reason why he was suddenly worthy to pick it up. We saw him nudge the hammer in Age of Ultron, and he doesn't seem like he's any more worthy now than he was then. So yeah, that's just another arc they could have done to show me why he's worthy now of picking up the hammer. And still, it's just like... Here's just another cool thing that we didn't actually give you reason to build up to. Yeah, like, that's how I saw the scene, too. Like, I thought the scene was super cool, but story-wise, it just felt a little silly and goofy instead of, like, triumphant, which it should have been. Yeah. And also, he was able to wield lightning, like, instantly, like it was no big deal, which was really weird. Yeah, that was weird. Um, And I was really confused how he was able to wield, like, Thor's lightning at first until someone on Reddit said that... Odin's first enchantment of the hammer was that whoever is worthy of this hammer gets the power of Thor. Which is also weird because aren't Odin's enchantments gone now that she's dead? Isn't that why Hela came back? That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) But this hammer is from before his death. 
sure. I mean, so was Hella's seal. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> no, I'm saying this hammer is literally from the time before Odin died. They took it from the past. Oh, oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's a whole other weird conundrum right there. <laughs> oh, uh, wait. Uh, you're melting my brain right now. That's so <laughs> weird. But he is dead in this timeline. Does, uh, but does the power get, is the seal connected to Odin or not? Uh, uh, you were, oh my God. Sorry, I'm like freaking out right now. <laughs> Timelines, man. Time travel. It messes with everything. I love that both times we've podcasted about this, um, you have freaked out about something I've said in connection with Thor's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> because last time you didn't realize that it was the enchantment of Odin that gave him the power. And this time it's this. <laughs> what can I say? It's weird. <laughs> Thor lore is really confusing. And God, I wish we got more. Yeah. For sure. Please give us a Valkyrie movie. <laughs> so yeah, apparently Mjolnir can channel Thor's power, even though that's really awkward. But um, I mean, maybe it just takes the power of Thor who was there. So maybe Captain America was sharing Thor's power who's present. I, I don't think Thor would have to be present, though. I don't know, man! <laughs> <laughs> The entire concept of gods of blank in Asgard is really confusing because, like, Thor appears to have inherently magic powers that do with lightning. Loki was just trained to be tricky by his mom. Like, that's why he's the god of tricks. Like, nothing else. He's just a really powerful magician from Asgard. I agree with you, and we've already covered all this in previous episodes, so let's just get back to (laughs) this movie. Back to Captain America. He got no heroic sacrifice or heroic arc in the final battle. Um, that was reserved for Tony alone because Tony gets everything, apparently. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> Why would that be a problem, man? Iron Man's the best. Yeah, apparently Marvel agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> and just to top all of that off with such a confusing ending for Captain America... And that was just like the tipping point for me. Um, in a way, it is extremely fitting and poetic that Captain America finally got to have his dance with Peggy Carter. And it's sweet that he got to live his life out with her. But on the other hand, it's just, I feel like it completely undermines his character's tragic backstory. And while I get that he's already had his past and is now like going forward to fix it, it just seems weird to remove someone's tragedy by just instead of having them move past it they just go back and get to have what they wanted anyway yeah like they didn't have him move on they just had him get to regress into his previous self (laughs) exactly uh and it makes it so that we have no idea or understanding of the life that captain america has led we literally don't know most of his existence now Because they just sent him back in time. And on top of that, it makes no sense. It completely changes his timeline. Like, has he been there the whole time in this time? Was he just going to sit on the sidelines while Hydra takes over S.H.I.E.L.D. and and everything that happens, like, until his future self comes out of the ice? Like, I don't feel like it's in his character to let all that happen. And it just feels super incomplete. And then he just shows up at the end like... He's now aged old man, which we've already said the only thing that makes sense here is that he created an entirely alternate timeline and then hopped over at the last second. 
yeah. Like, I think it is the alternate timeline. I don't think he's in this current timeline. Like, he was Peggy's mysterious husband that we never met. It's still likely that guy from Agent Carter. But it also just, like, but, erases the entirety of both of their lives that we know. Like, as yeah. we know them, they're completely erased now. I mean, both lives are valid, but it's weird. The thing that I thought really didn't sit well with that scene is that whole movie was leading up to Iron Man's moment of, you can rest now, Tony. Like, we're going to be okay. Like, when Pepper said that to him in the end. Because literally, since Iron Man 3, Tony has been freaking out about how to save the world. And he finally did, essentially. But for Captain America, when it's like, hey, there was never a moment that was like, Steve, you can finally live your own life and you don't need to protect everyone. Like, there was nothing that led to that. There's nothing that felt like he even wanted that. It just was like out of the blue and weird. Yeah, it was just like tacked on at the end in a way that confused everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was very weird. Also, what about Sharon? Like, all we saw was him kissing her in Civil War, and then she just never shows up again. I get, like, are they broken up? Did he just ditch her to go to the past for her aunt? Well, he was on the run for two years, so they probably just never continued that. Even though he's been on Earth for five years doing nothing, it's just like, oh, Maybe she was snapped. (laughs) Uh, Huh. That's a possibility, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, he definitely did not move on post-snap. So maybe he just didn't feel right to have any romance again. Well, now it's like he literally kissed his niece. And that's just even weirder now. They had one kiss, as far as we're aware. It's not that bad. And that was also, from his perspective, like seven years ago. So now, Oh, now my, you- wait a second. She, he's going to live watching her grow up. Oh, that's weird. I didn't think about that. Also, like, did he have his own kids? Like, I want to know so much more about this other timeline, and I also want to know how it works. Uh. So what, you don't think Sharon is creepy now? The fact that he kissed Sharon, his niece? I don't think it's that creepy until I thought about the moment that he sees young Sharon grow up, assuming she still exists in this other timeline. Which she probably wouldn't, to be honest, unless she was born before he got back. I mean, it was already weird that he was into and then ends up... It seemed like they were making them get together with the love of his life's niece, but then to ditch her for her aunt. (laughs) 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 It's, it's, oh, there's there's a lot of weirdness there. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, but my point is. They really didn't do Captain America justice in this film, and it really hurts my soul for the ending of my favorite character that I've spent all this time invested in. Yeah, although Captain America is not my favorite, he's still a fantastic character that I really like, and I agree. I really wish he got a better and less confusing end. It's like like I've had so many conversations with people who just think that Captain America is boring, and I've never felt that way Uh, Except maybe in the first Avengers film. But aside from that, like, I've always loved his character so much with everything they've done with him. And then for the first time in this film, I actually felt like they made him boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the weirdest thing is, like, he's still alive. So he might pop up again. Probably not. But he is still around. Yeah. 
And that's a whole other level of weirdness. It is. <laughs> Maybe he'll be in, in Loki's uh, solo show. Doubtful, but... I would really hope that he's, like, at the season finale of it, where he finally, like, restores that timeline. Yeah. I doubt cool. it, but maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, but I suppose we should talk about the last timeline, the Guardians one. We have mentioned it with Vormir, but I never expected how much impact this would have on the, like, the remainder of the movie. With old Thanos seeing the memories of Nebula, witnessing that he succeeded in the future, and then going to the present with that knowledge to destroy the Avengers. Like, after they killed Thanos in the beginning of the movie, I had no idea how they were going to bring him back in. But how they did with Guardians and also how they brought Gamora essentially back to life was perfect. Agreed. Even though I have no idea how he got to the present with uh, no pin particles. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't understand if Thanos, like, has the ability to make more pin particles. Like, it's possible Thanos actually spent, like, a week preparing, gathering his fleet, making more pin particles before arriving in the present. But we don't really know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely... So many unanswered questions. <laughs> yeah, but we did skip past a lot of the really cool stuff about the Guardians timeline. Because just like Avengers 1, where we see the Avengers outside of their own movie... We see Nebula and War Machine watching Peter Quill in his opening of Guardians 1 singing into, like, the alien rat thing, which was brilliant. Singing like an idiot. Yeah, and I love War Machine being like, so he's an idiot. And Nebula's just like, yeah, that's essentially my brother-in-law. And then War Machine just smacks him in the head. So brutal. (laughs) Yeah, it was really brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Though I thought it was so badass when Nebula just reached into, like, the Power Stone containing device... And it's like burned her arm away because she doesn't really care. That was really cool. For sure. It was also like such an oh snap moment when she gets stuck in the past because old Nebula and current Nebula's memories are getting entangled. That whole thing is really weird. That seems like a plot convenience thing to make their memories entangled since it seems like her memories are stored locally. But it was a really excellent way the rope Thanos back in. Yeah. And I really love the scenes of the two Nebulas interacting with each other and present-day Nebula trying to plead to old Gamora to resist Thanos, especially because she knows how Gamora really feels. And Gamora had never told Nebula that before. And she mentions how Thanos got the Soul Stone, and Gamora understands what that means. And it's really cool because by that point in the timeline, Gamora had already found the Soul Stone. Yeah, it's a really good point. It was just so well handled, and it was also really cool to see the Black Order and the Guardians scenes, and I just loved it so much. Yeah, and it was crazy to see this Thanos from the past compared to the Thanos we got in Infinity War and at the beginning of this film, because they seem like such different characters in a way, because the Thanos from Infinity War was so serene. He already had all of the Infinity Stones, or... Not the whole time, but he already had some Infinity Stones when we met him. And he just seemed to be going through this path like, I'm just doing, you know, the universe's work. I'm doing good for the world. And he wasn't really out to kill anyone. He wasn't out for blood. And contrasting that with this Thanos, who 
is bloodthirsty as hell and he has no infinity stones yet is somehow more dangerous than the one who had all the infinity stones yeah (laughs) it was just like a whole different side to him and seeing him mad in this way uh really made me want to see more of his character so i'm kind of sad we're not we're probably not going to get that yeah, it's really cool to see him in this different context because now he has the cockiness of knowing that he won, but also the frustration and anger that these mortals, the Avengers, the one that had already screwed up his old plans, are resisting his perfect universe. And now he's just out for blood, like you were saying. And it was so cool to see this version of him. And it was also interesting to see him say, like, you know, I don't usually enjoy the killing and the conquests I do, but I'm going to really enjoy it this time. Yeah. It was also just honestly really cool to see Thanos fight without the Infinity Stones because I feel like with the stones, he seemed weaker. Um, like with Thor's axe, Thor's axe was just able to cut through the Infinity Beam like nothing and stab Thanos in one move, almost killing him. Whereas in this film... Thor's axe and Captain America and Mjolnir and Iron Man are all fighting him and he's heading all of them off without a single Infinity Stone. Yeah, like it makes sense because in Infinity War, he was kind of just caught off guard by Thor. He wasn't like prepared for like actual combat. But in this movie, we know, oh, if he was trying, he would have destroyed them. Uh, yeah, and also, and also, like, that axe was clearly meant for the Infinity Stone's power, but it wasn't meant for just Thanos himself. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it can cut through the Infinity Stone's super beam, but, like, beyond that, it's just a super powerful axe. It just depends on how you use it. And it can summon the Bifrost. (laughs) And it can summon the Bifrost, (laughs) which wasn't done in this movie. Huh. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's funny, like... When Black Widow and Hawkeye went with Nebula and War Machine to get the Soul Stone, they could have actually went with Thor and then went to Vormir. They didn't have to go with them. There's a lot of weirdness with them not teleporting separately. I don't understand why they did that. Yeah. (laughs) It was just totally (laughs) unnecessary. There was just a small moment on Morag where War Machine was like, yo, good luck on Vormir. And they're like, thanks. That didn't need to happen. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I wonder if anyone's going to ask about that and if we're going to get an answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to that. It's just weird. Yeah. But anyways, back to the present. We now have all the Infinity Stones and Stark Tech can miraculously hold all of them, even though they previously had to uh, go to the heart of a dying star for the only place that can force the strongest weapons in the universe in order to hold them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people theorize that, like, they got the old Infinity Gauntlet after they killed Thanos and were probably trying to analyze it to see if there was anything they could do. And at that point, Tony may have researched it and figured out how to reverse engineer it. Or at least in the present day, I mean, five years later, after they decided on doing the time heist, he figured it out. But that seemed a little easy. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like a stretch. But, you know, I mean, apparently Tony can do everything because the filmmakers love him. He can solve time travel. He can make an infinity gauntlet without a dying star. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I am. I'm one thing that I'm sad about having him die after Disney bought 
the Fox Marvel films back is apparently Richard Reed, like Mr. Fantastic, is one of the only people in the Marvel Universe smarter than Tony Stark, like on Earth at least. And it would have been really cool to see them interact. Yeah, that that's a bummer. Since in the MCU, no one compares to Tony Stark. Like, sure, maybe Shuri can, but that's doubtful. Is it doubtful? I think so. I don't think Shuri would have been able to figure out time travel in a week. I feel like their skills are different. I feel like Shuri and Banner are the only people that could, like, hold up to Tony Stark in certain situations. But I think overall, Tony Stark is just the smartest. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Tony could really solve time travel in a week either. They just made him. But <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I don't know. The, the way they make Shuri so smart, I mean, she's smarter than Banner. She could do that surgery with vision that Banner couldn't do. I think they just didn't realize it was possible because they just needed a new perspective. I don't know. I think they just didn't have enough time to even try to think about it. They only had like a day and Tony wasn't there. I still think it was showing that she was smarter than Banner. Yes and no, we still haven't really seen a lot of her. True. But anyways, back to the gauntlet. (laughs) It works. Hulk puts on the gauntlet, undoes the snap, everyone's back. Though it's weird that, like, they confirmed that by having Hawkeye's wife call him. Like, was her phone snapped away? Does her phone still work? I guess so. Uh, Yeah, I... (laughs) I'm very glad that people were snapped with their clothing, because it would have been weird if they had a bunch of naked people disappear everywhere. Sure. I mean, it was cute. (laughs) It was cute that they had his wife call him, but at the same time, it's like, huh, so you've been paying for that phone plan that no one's using for five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, man, as soon as the missiles started coming in, that was such an incredible, intense moment. It was so cool. Yeah, it was really cool, though I gotta be honest, I've got some micro complaints here. (laughs) The fact that everyone's always talking about Marvel movies having no stakes, um, this was definitely one of those times. Oh, you mean everyone surviving the missile strike? Everyone surviving the missile strike? Yeah, like, how, how does everyone survive that, first of all? And second of all... Also, everyone surviving the big war, except for yeah. Tony dying because of the snap. No one actually died in battle. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird, except for, like, random Wakandans and wizards, probably. At first, I was like, oh, yeah, they set up the barn door protocol right before during the unsnap. So, like, that makes sense. But they undid it, and then the missile strike came in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know that all these normal humans were able to survive a missile. Yeah. It's very convenient that they all have their super suits on because, like, I don't know why they thought they needed it. But, yeah, that was weird that they all survived. And it was annoying that they took Hulk out of the fight by just having him rescue War Machine and Rocket. Yeah. Also, I thought War Machine's, like, suit was destroyed there, but he was part of the final fight. So, I guess he was fine? That was confusing, too. Unless he has a duplicate suit that he It might have been another suit. I think it looked a little different. Yeah, maybe. But anyways, the final battle begins, and oh boy, it was cool. It was amazing. <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, we've already talked about Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America fighting Thanos, and how incredibly brutal it was, especially, like, Thanos just beating through Captain America's shield. Yeah. It was incredible. Because apparently his sword is made of stronger material than vibranium. Or it is also vibranium. Who knows? I don't know. I I guess I got the impression that it would just be a different space metal that's not on Earth. It probably is. It could be adamantium or whatever Wolverine has. 
Oh, yeah. Or any other comic book super metal. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't touch on Thor's beard and hair braiding itself with his lightning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And dual wielding Mjolnir and Stormbreaker. All of that was just fucking amazing. Like, it was so weird but cool to see Fat Thor fighting at that level. Like, I'm still confused. Like, is he still as capable as a fighter or is he weaker now? He seems a bit weaker now. Which is really disappointing because we got yeah. so little of Prime Thor post-Ragnarok. We really did. Ugh, like, we got moments in this movie and in Infinity War of him just flying around destroying large chunks of things. But I really would love to have more of a focus on him solo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, now that you mention it, like, the, after they made his lightning all-powerful, all of a sudden it, like, doesn't even do anything against the enemy. <laughs> Oh, that's a bummer. It does um, against the horde enemies, but not against the main villains. Yeah. So I guess his lightning isn't that powerful after all. Oh. But it was interesting seeing him look like an actual Norse god. Yeah, for sure. And it was an improvement over his matted hair and <laughs> yeah. way too long beard, which I'm really confused about because I kept thinking that once he, like, got his new direction in life that he would clean up and like face that new direction strongly and confidently with you know like a clean appearance but he kept his matted wig through to the end through tony stark's funeral and then when he's leaving the planet with the guardians and i'm like why do you still look like that i know like (laughs) i can understand him not being as confident and like resolved as he used to be now that he's been like a broken man for five years. But I expected him to be a little bit more cleaned up. Yeah, for sure. Also, like functionally, considering Chris Hemsworth really pushed to have the wig removed because he hated it so much. And that's why they cut his hair in Thor Ragnarok. Immediately putting matted hair back on. I'm like, is he going to have this from now on? What is like, what what is what is happening here? <laughs> he probably enjoyed it because of how funny the joke was. But I wonder what they're going to do in Guardians 3, assuming he's in it. I don't think he would enjoy wearing a wig again, though, for more movies. Well, hopefully they won't have him wear it in Guardians 3 and he'll also not be, like, fat. (laughs) (laughs) Though I don't know how they're going to talk their way out of it, considering Thor would want his hair long. Ooh, that's a good point. We'll have to see in 2021 (laughs) or whenever that movie comes out. If he's in it. (laughs) If he's in it. Anyways, before the epic moment of Captain America standing up to Thanos' entire army solo, and then the Avengers Assemble moment, which is also incredible, we also have, like, Hawkeye on a little journey on his own trying to protect the gauntlet, which was amazing. Like, he was fighting off so many of Thanos' monsters solo in tight spaces, which was really cool and impressive. Yeah, this was Hawkeye's shining moment in this film, I think. Like, he was really showing that he actually could be cool. (laughs) Yeah, that was probably, that might be his best action scene in the entire MCU. Yeah, for sure. But then I guess we should get to the portals. Yeah, and this is probably my favorite moment of the film, is when Cap is standing there, ready to face Thanos' entire army alone. And you just hear this voice in his ear from Falcon saying on your left. And then a portal opens up on his left and we get some people who are unsnapped. We get black Panthers people 
Indeed, and then more, and then more, and then more portals appear as we have characters from all throughout the universe appear. And Valkyrie is somehow on a Pegasus. Where the hell did she get that? I know, where the <laughs> fuck does she get a Pegasus? I don't know how this happened. <laughs> like, she's, yeah, she's been living on Earth for five years. Like, <laughs> like all of Asgard is destroyed. And the Asgard didn't even have Pegasi anymore. Where did that come from? I know, it's my question too. <laughs> um, but... Some key moments here. I think my favorite entrances were Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yeah, they were... Scarlet Witch was excellent, too. Spider-Man was excellent. Although she wasn't unsnapped, Pepper arriving in an Iron Man suit was incredible. <laughs> yeah, that I was never, cool. I never imagined Pepper to be part of the final fight. And, like, never. really, really impressive in it. Can- can you imagine if she'd shown up with her powers from Iron Man 3? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. If she had extremist powers still, that would have been incredible. I was really disappointed that they got rid of those powers for her. Even I, though they didn't really? I mean, they said they undid it, so who knows? But, like, uh, I was, I just freaking loved her being in this final fight. I should say, even though the movie makes it seem like she would still have powers, and logically she would still have powers after they fixed her, they clearly made it so that it was undone. Yeah, I really wish they acknowledged the end of Iron Man 3 a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) But her suit was cool. (laughs) Her suit was freaking awesome. Pepper's suit was just really amazing, and it reminded me of, like, the liquid metal suit that I think that Iron Man has in the comics, or at least I'm pretty sure he does. I saw some, like, YouTube videos about it, and it was really cool. Cool. Well, this is your movie, so I'm glad that you got enjoyment out of it. <laughs> we got three Iron Mans in the final fight. Oh, yeah. War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we also had Spider-Man in an Iron Man suit, and him activating instant kill mode was amazing oh my yeah. god that was, was another great. one of my favorite callbacks to an old movie it was great though it made me wonder what instant kill mode was in his normal suit yeah i mean i guess it just always goes straight for the kill automatically without thinking about it kind of like how in civil war when iron man was fighting captain america he's like all right analyze his moves and auto fight him yeah but he doesn't have stabby stabbies in his normal suit he just has webs Oh, oh yeah, because in his movie, he didn't have, like, this iron spider suit. I hadn't thought about that. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they'll ever use that again, since they can really only use it against hordes of monsters like this. Yeah, I haven't looked all that closely at the Spider-Man 2 trailer, but I know he has a new suit in there. But also, Tony's dead, so who knows? Yeah, and I just loved Peter in this fight so much, like... Every time I watch this movie so far, the one thing that I have cried at has been every scene with Tony and Peter. <laughs> I mean, it's so touching, like, when they first have their little reunion, and Tony finally, like, gives him a huge hug. And he's like, oh, this is nice. And since you know the weight of everything Tony has experienced over the past five years, like, his greatest nightmare was watching Peter die, and he experienced it. It's just so touching. Yeah. Also, quick side note, I really love the moment when he runs into Captain Marvel and she is just so amused by how nervous he is. That was my favorite Captain Marvel moment in the movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was great, too. I also just loved, like, all the different characters catching him and flying with him and passing him to each other between the Pegasus and... Well, first he's rescued by Thor throwing Mjolnir, then Pepper, then the Pegasus, I think. 
Right. And then Captain Marvel takes it. The whole relay race at the gauntlet was cool, especially like Black Panther taking it first, then Peter. It was awesome. And I also really liked that the way that it ended was Thanos destroying the other time machine. Because I really hate it when villains are dumb and don't do like the obvious thing of, hey, they're all racing for that target and we can't get the gauntlet from them. Why don't we just destroy the target? Easy. Yeah. Too bad the Wasp didn't get to do more in this fight, but it was cool to actually see her be in a movie with everyone else. True, though I have no idea how she ended up here. I mean, we don't really know how, like, anyone got here. Like, how did Doctor Strange have enough time to, like, talk to all these people about what's going on <laughs> and then teleport them there? Because apparently, like, the Ravagers were there, too, like, from Guardians. Like, did he just make tons of random portals through space? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's really confusing. I was picturing him, like, instantly opening portals to the Sanctums to tell the other wizards what was happening so that they could open all the portals. And then, y- 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 yeah, I don't I don't really know how you communicate to everyone else. Well, I don't know. Does Doctor Strange have some kind of telepathic power where he can be like, everybody? The limitations of his powers are so confusing because yeah. we didn't get to see any of that in the Doctor Strange movie. And then by the time Infinity War, he was just so much stronger. yeah. It, it was a little weird. He somehow magically got everybody in the world, in the universe. <laughs> yep. Except for Sif. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sif. I miss you so. <laughs> yeah, but, like, part of that relay race, we had the moment of all the females assembling together to show off all of them. But, like, one of the ones that had the best solo moments was Wanda fighting Thanos Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember in our podcast about Infinity War, you were talking about how much of a badass she was. And in this movie, for one, it was really funny when she met Thanos, because she's just like, you took everything. And Thanos is just like, I don't know who you are, which was a great moment. But the fact that she literally was about to kill him to the point where Thanos decided to rain missiles down on his own army was amazing. For sure. That fight was ridiculous and her power levels are insane. (laughs) Yeah. And another fight with Thanos I really loved was when Captain Marvel was stopping him from using the gauntlet. Thanos couldn't just punch her away because apparently she can tank that kind of hit. But when Thanos pulled the Power Stone out of the gauntlet and then used that to hit her, that was genius. I loved that. That that took me by surprise so much, and it was so cool. Yeah, the whole gauntlet fight with Captain Marvel was definitely my favorite Captain Marvel part of the movie. Though I am really confused why no one tried to use a single Infinity Stone against any of Thanos' forces, because... There's at least a few of them who could wield one, like Thor and Doctor Strange with the Time Stone and Hulk and Captain Marvel. So it's kind of ridiculous that they didn't do that. Well, as far as the relay lit race goes of who actually was dealing with Infinity Stones, Captain Marvel was probably the only person among that group that could have wielded one. Maybe Valkyrie? But yeah, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, especially since, well... I don't know. The power levels of the Power Stone are all over the place, but in theory, that should be able to wipe out the entirety of Thanos' masses without snapping your fingers, um, except for Thanos. Yeah, though you have to be careful because you might just destroy Earth. The Power Stone's supposed to be capable of that, so I don't know. That's one good thing about the Infinity Stones now being out of the mix is that their power levels are all over the place, and who knows what they really can do. Are they really out of the mix, though? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Especially with the Loki show coming up. 
Yeah. But anyways, as far as people wielding the stones, the moment when Tony steals the stones from beneath Thanos' grasp, right after witnessing Doctor Strange, like, remind him that there is only one way to win, after Tony realized that he would have to do the snap, though the audience doesn't know that yet, that was such a cool moment, because, like, Thanos is using Stark tech for the gloves. Of course, Tony can, like, manage to steal the stones away. And I never really, like, considered the idea of him being the one to wield the stones because I didn't think he was physically capable. Yeah. But he was able to do just that to snap away Thanos' army and say his catchphrase one last time. I am Iron Man. And then die surrounded by the people that love him most, which is... That was hard to watch. It was really sad. But he can finally rest. Yeah, and it was just a fantastic end to Iron Man's entire arc of the entire MCU. Yeah, it, it was so good. And so perfect and so well done. And then we get to his funeral, which it was so cute and perfect that they had the proof Tony Stark still has a heart like original arc reactor trophy on that like flower bed thing they floated through the lake. Yeah. It was just so perfect. It was. And it was really cool to see everyone there to honor him before he died. It was also really funny to see Harley, the kid from Iron Man three, cause I did not know who the hell that was until people online pointed out who that was. Same. Yeah. I'm like, who is this random kid? Also, like, does he not have any other family other than what I thought was, like, some cousin of his? Yeah, I, I know. He just, like, like no one that we don't know comes to the funeral, which is super weird. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe there were multiple funerals. This was just, like, for the Avengers. It wasn't just um, for the Avengers. Iron Man 3 kid was there. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> uh, it was It was really beautiful and touching, though. And it was really cute, like, how later on, like, Happy and Morgan are just sitting there. And Morgan's just sad and kind of confused. And she's just, like, talking to Happy and talks about how she wants cheeseburgers. And Happy's like, oh, your dad loves cheeseburgers, too. Because, like, when he got back from the caves in Iron Man 1, the first thing he wanted was a cheeseburger. And it was so cute and heartbreaking. That is a good callback. I didn't realize that. Yeah. This this movie just had so many references to the old movies. It was so good. It's so funny to think that this movie is going to make like $2 billion plus, And there are some people that haven't seen tons of the movies and are going to be so confused. Like a friend of mine posted on Facebook about how she was annoyed that people's hairstyles changed during the movie. Like after the time skip because she couldn't keep track of who everyone was. Side what? note, Captain Marvel's new hair looks way better than her old hair. Oh, um, yes. And... I'm just, like, so intrigued by what this experience is like for people that aren't in the know when they do not hold your hand in the slightest in this movie. Especially with, like, Captain Marvel, who pops in out of nowhere. And, like, with Ant-Man. Like, a lot of people didn't see Ant-Man 2, but that was, like, crucial to the plot of the movie. It was really interesting that they didn't bother catching you up at all. Except for Thor The Dark World, which they, for some reason, included that really unnecessary scene of Thor recapping the whole thing because they assumed no one remembered it since so many people dislike it. I mean, it's my most hated Marvel movie. (laughs) I know, but like you were saying, a lot of people did not see Ant-Man and the Wasp. (laughs) Like, and that was, they didn't, they didn't even, well, that's not true. They did, they did explain it. Like, you yeah. didn't get it at first, but then after the fact, he's like, I was in the quantum realm. 
Yeah, but, like, they kind of just jumped around what the Quantum Realm is. Like, although they did explain it a bit, it's still, like, a little confusing if you don't know what his geal is. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, I really love that it didn't hold your hand, but I find it so interesting to, like, imagine that most people will be very confused by a lot of these moments. Yeah, it definitely seems like a barrier to entry. Like, I cannot picture anyone trying to watch this as their first Marvel film. Oh, well, better not be your first, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that as well. Yeah, for sure. I was surprised that they didn't try to bring back Vision in this movie. I I mean, they kind of set up the idea of you can't bring anyone back to life in this movie. Like, you can't bring back Black Widow or Gamora or Vision. The only reason why Gamora's back is because it's an older version of Gamora from a different timeline. I mean, they specifically said they can't bring back people who died from the Soul Stone. They didn't say anything about normal deaths. And honestly, considering they reversed Vision's death right away in Infinity War, I'm kind of surprised they didn't try to do that for Tony. (laughs) Hmm. That's an interesting point. Though, in Doctor Strange's movie, since he was like the only one that would have known how to do that, they kind of made a big deal about not undoing time to save people's lives. But, like, in Doctor Strange, he did undo time to save people's lives. So wouldn't you think Doctor Strange would have done that? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I never thought about that. Oh, I don't like this idea. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. Undoing Vision is weird because he died five years ago. Undoing Tony kind of makes sense, except for the fact that he died wielding the stones So if you undid time for him, you can't really because his time included the time stone. So it's like its own mini paradox. I don't know, but it's definitely an interesting question. And I disagree with you about Vision because they created him from Stark Tech, the Mind Stone and Vibranium. And I'm sure they still have his body and they have the Mind Stone now. So I don't see why they couldn't just recreate him and then finish what they were doing, disconnecting him from the Mind Stone before returning it. I don't know. I mean, apparently Wanda and Vision are supposed to have some TV show coming out. So maybe they do somehow. I I don't know. Well, they're they're not going to do that now because the Mind Stone is back returned. Well, they won't do that, but they might do something similar. Unless it's in the past. Yeah, though that'd be kind of weird, too. Because their relationship really developed during the nomad years where they were mostly apart. Were they mostly apart? During those two years? Yeah, because Vision stayed with Iron Man. But they just, like, stole moments every now and then. Yeah, but I feel like that's what they would cover if they did go to the past. Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Also, the fact that they did not show Gamora at all after the snap is... Really bizarre, and everyone is, like, extremely confused by this because they don't make it clear if she was not snapped away with Thanos' army, which, I don't know, I could see it being either way, um, her being snapped away or not, but the fact that Quill is searching for her at the end suggests that she ran away, but I don't know why she would run away from her sister, the only person she knows in this universe, And where the heck she would run to, it's not like she has an extra spaceship lying around. Or does she? Because how did her and Nebula get to the Avengers facility? Like, they might have taken a little pod down from Thanos' ship, but wouldn't Tony have snapped the ship away? It's really weird. (laughs) 
Yeah. Though we did forget to mention that scene, which was when old Gamora saves Quill and he's like, oh, Gamora, you're back. And then she just kicks him in the balls and runs off. Yeah. That was yeah. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But it seems like they might be going in the direction of Gamora is now going to be able to rejoin the team because past Gamora is around in the present from the alternate timeline that shouldn't exist. Yeah, it, it'll be weird, but it was a interesting but kind of cool way to bring her back. Yeah. And that probably just means we're going to get some really good Nebula and Gamora moments together in the next movie and awkward <laughs> Quill and Gamora moments in the next. <laughs> what if Gamora falls for Thor? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, the Asgardians of the galaxy. Though so he might need to get his uh, body back first. I mean, hopefully he will. Yeah. <laughs> Fat Thor was funny, but I don't need more of that. Yeah. That even in this movie it was overdone. Like this movie was incredible. It's not perfect, but no movie's perfect. And I had enough of Fat Thor in that movie. <laughs> yes. Also, I'm really wondering what the state of the accords is now. I don't think they will ever acknowledge it again. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, the world got snapped, you guys saved it, uh, whatever. <laughs> we, we trust you guys enough, I guess. We'll just, we'll just undo the law now. Well, with Spider-Man 2, it's going to be interesting, because they're going to deal with, like, a European superhero, so how does that work? Because they should have had to sign the Accords, too. I'm more worried about them addressing the five-year gap. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good and interesting that they haven't revealed any new movies yet, and it doesn't sound like they're working on any, at least any Earthside ones yet. So that now it won't be considered a spoiler to like really hammer in on those topics for future movies. But we won't really know for a little while. Yeah. And one last thing I don't think we've touched on yet is Captain America passing the shield to Falcon. Yeah, which is cool. And I really appreciate in that scene where it seems like Cap and Bucky talked about it in advance what he was going to do. So Bucky like helped push Falcon to like accept the shield by giving him that nod and stuff. And that also makes me really happy because some people thought Bucky was going to get the shield. But in the Marvel movies, Bucky does not deserve the shield. He's barely become a normal person again. He has not, like, become worthy of the Captain America shield. He hasn't even been in America since he lost his brainwashing. Yeah, I think Falcon was a very fitting passing of that mantle. He definitely seems like he deserves it more. Though, where the hell did they get that shield? Timelines. <laughs> Even though it should be buried in ice with Captain America in any of the timelines. Yeah, that's the super weird thing about that timeline. Because <laughs> that means there could be two Captain Americas living at the same time in that timeline. And hey, maybe Peggy's into that. Yeah, well, they would, that would require them to unfreeze Cap and completely change all of time. So, <laughs> just to have a second Captain America for their sex life. <laughs> but to be honest, I could picture Steve being into that. I mean, he definitely appreciates his own ass. And yeah. they talked about making the character bisexual, so sure. <laughs> and he's, well, the Steve-Bucky relationship is a big thing, but since he just ditched Bucky for past Peggy Carter, I guess that's not even a possibility. Uh <laughs> yeah, we did not have time to develop that, and that would have been weird. I've never really been a fan of Cap Bucky. Which is funny, since you're always the one who feels the need to mention it to give justice to the people who want it. 
because I have friends that ship it and I'll let them ship it, but I personally didn't ship it and I don't think the movies were pointing in that direction. Oh, that's the other thing that I forgot to mention. That if Steve went to the past, he would not try to free Bucky. Oh, he totally would have. From Hydra. There's no way Cap wouldn't have saved Bucky in this timeline. Yeah, so that's just another thing about, like, there's no way he could have left the past alone. So I I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> I want to see this timeline. Somehow he got a copy of the shield to give to Falcon. Even though that yeah. was all of the vibranium. But now he knows where Wakanda is, so maybe during his travels he went to Wakanda. Yeah, because it's just that easy to break into Wakanda when they don't want any outsiders to come in and say, hey, give me some of your vibranium. I mean, he's Captain America. People love him. He's really good at convincing people to trust him. And he literally knows the exact coordinates. And although Wakanda is hidden through technology, like with the projected forest... It's not actually a true barrier, I think. Actually, I think it is in Black Panther. I don't know. Wakandan tech is a little weird. Magnets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really think that's feasible unless he uh, broke down their barriers early. But he didn't bring back the shield with him, right? The broken shield? Nope. No. Okay. Another another question. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> they... They, they clearly did not want us to have any answers about Captain America's life. Nope. He will forever be a mystery. Oh. Did you have any other thoughts on the movie before we wrap up? Not really. I just gotta say, this movie was incredible. <laughs> and it was such a fitting capstone to the entire universe. A capstone without cap. <laughs> <laughs> and... I guess we should probably mention that there were no after credit scenes unless you count the sound of Iron Man making his first suit in the cave, which was very fitting. But I kind of wish I got something. But again, it was fitting. Yeah, it was fitting. I don't think they should have had anything because it wrapped up everything and it's better to not have a cliffhanger. Yeah. And also the way they handled the credits for the original six with them having a little slideshowy kind of deal with their signature showing up was fantastic. Yeah, it was pretty well done. But I agree, this movie was phenomenal. There was a lot of good stuff, and I'm glad we got to spend t- more time with the characters, even though my soul is wounded f- from Captain America. <laughs> At least you still have Spider-Man. This is true. <laughs> I have no one to be my new favorite. Yes, you do. Who? You like a lot of people. I mean, I do like a lot of other characters, but none that I love as much as Iron Man. New Thor was getting there, but now we don't have, like, Ragnarok Thor. Now he confuses me. (laughs) And there's none that I love as much as Captain America, so... We'll have to have new favorites. It'll be a new era for us and the MCU. It will be indeed, hopefully, a good one. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I really hope they bring in Doctor Doom because he's cool. That would be cool. Anyways, if you have thoughts on Endgame that you want to share with us or talk about ours, you can reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Marvelous MCU. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Marvelous MCU Podcast, or you can send us an email at MarvelousMCUPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We had some really fun conversations with people about Infinity War and other movies. Indeed. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.